other little kids. Really? Oh, yeah. Very, very. And that's the problem. A lot of those kids don't get it. What do you mean? He, first of all, like, I don't know, a month ago, whatever, he's talking to me about, you know, the government and, <laughs> you know, the shot. But no, but he's not just repeating what he hears. He actually puts his own thoughts, thoughts into, into everything that he's listening to. Yeah. You know, he's got a really interesting thing where he, um, I think he really wants to have something to say because like me and my brother have had life experiences mm -hmm. and obviously my mom's had life experiences. So we're always talking about stories and things and like he hasn't had enough really life experiences to have stories. So he ends up coming up and like fabricating these <laughs> really interesting stories and you can tell that they're a lie, but it's like, how did you even come up with that? You know what though? Paolo was like that. Was he? The more they told him he was too slow, he couldn't do this and that, mm -hmm. he'll come up with stories. Yeah. And there's people like, oh, that's not, that's not right. I go, you know what? That's what's kept him going. Right. That's, you know, all the kids were making things and he just, he had, you know, hey, that coach talked to me. And I'm like, I was right there. That never happened. But <laughs> yeah, in his no. head, you know, exactly, yeah. and it was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, but it's, so there's nothing, all of them, Cristiano, since he was in pre the teacher would be like, before she was done with an answer, question, she was, he was like this. He had no idea what they were. And most of the time he was wrong, but he was like, you know. Ready to answer and, it. And, that's, and like I said, that's where the, that uh, intuitive and imaginative mind that Lachlan has. Because like the other kids are just, and he's just, you know. And, and, and kind of like even when that mind quiets down a little bit, he takes over the game. Yeah. And then he goes back to analyzing or to say, you know, and then just, but it's very interesting. The more he's been coming, the more he's just, started you know, to get relaxed just, into it. exactly just doing it yeah he definitely seems like he's just not like feeling the game he's always thinking he's always thinking just but feeling you know, but that's not that's because when we talk about it especially right now you know through all of this we spend so much time different seminars different things and it's all about you know about that that connection you know the feeling with the thinking because we all talk about feeling it but it's you know and so the thinking and the will come together with the feeling and it will just, right. you know, because that's the thing. All these other kids, they try hard, they work hard, but there's no thinking to it, you know, and yeah. therefore, you know, it's hard for them to, to feel. Like I said, for him, he'll, because he'll tell me stories about your dad, he'll tell me stories about you, mm -hmm. about Brendan, about, I mean, soccer, all soccer related, Yeah, you know, and then you can see that he's putting those stories together into what he's looking to do, right? you know, and it's very, very, you know, it, all the kids talk about Ronaldo. He talks about the three of you. <laughs> those are no, and those are his soccer stories, and it's great. Yeah, you know, for because it's personal, he can actually relate. Mm -hmm. You know, while the other ones, which is you know, and, and that's really what is what what is different. You know, for 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 them, right? You know, because and I said that all the time. You can have those, but they're not there. But when you actually, I mean, like I was lucky. I grew up in a small country. But three times a week from four years old to, I don't remember, I was at the stadium. And at that time, it was actually pretty good soccer. I mean, we were the second highest paid besides Mexico. So oh, wow. there was good soccer there. That was before those guys were going to Europe. You know, now even the third tier goes to Europe from yeah. Brazil, Argentina. But, you know, so you, I, I was there. So you got to enjoy, get the atmosphere, see everything, listen to what the yelling of the fans and whatever. And then we'll go down to the bottom area and play some, whoever kids were there, play some soccer. You know, but, uh, you know, when you just watch, so you had relationship, you had a, you know, a person you were watching. It's more tangible. Uh-huh. You know, I'll 
my dad playing with all the ex-professionals, playing futsal, you know, I you know, I was hoping that the goalkeeper will be sick or hurt so <laughs> I got a chance to play. Yeah. But I mean, so I see that when, when kids actually tell me about someone they have a relationship with, you know, the difference in their development compared to somebody that's just watching, right. you know, and just, you know, especially in the world we live in. Because a lot of people say, oh, but that's Ronaldo. That's Messi. You're never going to be like that. Or even if they don't tell you that, they make you feel like it's not going to happen. Right. But when you're talking about this brother, sister, dad, uncle, friend, whatever, you know, you're like, you know. Yeah, these are more. There's more, you know. You just, everything. Yeah. You know, the way they dress, the way they, you know, it's just, you know, so. So was that how it was when, like, obviously you were talking about how, when you were a kid, it was like more tangible, like it was right there. So it, it was. It, it was. And this is in Guatemala, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. and the soccer culture was really big there I when you mean, were a kid. It was huge, huge. I mean, it was you know it was my dream to sign. Then later on, when I when I signed for that team, it was like a, it's a, a big big deal, you know. But I mean, like I said, we ignore everything else that was going on, socially, politically, and everything because I was like you know, but um, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, guys that later on. We're big time coaches in Argentina. We're big time players in the seventies, early seventies in Guatemala. You mm. know, play for national teams. Far as they were there, you know things. So you had those those things. You know, I grew up reading the magazine El Gráfico, which is like a Sports Illustrated with ninety percent soccer, but it's mostly Argentina with a few. So through that, there was you know they played rugby. There was a guy on the Formula One. There's Guillermo Vila's tennis player. So I. I almost ignored the history of my country athletically because mm -hmm. I grew up in the history of Argentina. Oh, but okay. it was, you know, and then a lot of those players that I was reading, they were coming over and play over here. You know, mm -hmm. and it was, yeah, because like I said, Guatemala paid well. The, the, the private industry in Guatemala is very wealthy. Oh, Even really? to this, I mean, very, the biggest problem in Guatemala, there's no middle class. So you really drop. Now so there's like a really high really level. High level. Then there's, a, there's a little bit middle, upper class now, but then it drops. You know, he drops. So that's really what you see. But the private industry, it's it's ridiculous. You know, it's and it's all family legacies. You know, mm. supermarket owners, beer. You know, all of these are the families from right. many years ago who had all the ranches and whatever. So sold their land to these. You know, yeah, things like that. So anyway, so so therefore there was a lot of a, a lot of uh, you know money to bring in the players to bring in coaches. So the the culture there was about soccer. So yeah, all of yeah. the, like the big high level, yeah. ro like high rollers were interested, interested in investing in soccer. In soccer. You know, it's, uh, you know, the politics killed it. And then the biggest problem with Mahat for the last 10 years, they've been suspended because of the president, you know, just getting involved with that CONCACAF and FIFA, oh, yeah, yeah. FIA, you know, so it's just, it's, you know, it, 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 they were building again and then just went down. Mm. You know, so now they're trying to build it again, but it takes... The money is there, but they're not as willing to. Right. The professional team I played for, was, the owner was crazy. He he helped Israel. So they, they, the Jewish people would pretty much give him a, almost every single a penny per person, you know. So he was making, without having to do anything, he was making extra money. Long story short, he stole money from the government. I mean, he was in the government, so they stole money. So he wasn't able to live in Guatemala anymore. He was in Venezuela because there's no problem there he had horses but he owned the team so he will come back every once in a while right you know and just my good friend uh he was that was his grandpa so he had little five v five tournaments at his house and also you see the grandpa in there how is he here 
you know. But I'm saying these are the type of people that invested. It kind of like, in a way, I guess, them like the mafia type of thing. You know, right. these people made lots of money through illegal activities and whichever. I mean, the more money they had, the more money they wanted. So it was, but that's the money that was invested into. You know. It seems to always be how it is. Like the more money you get, the more you want more money. Yes. Yes. I don't know how you get out of that cycle. It's, it's. Because you, like, you want a mindset to be successful. Like, or at least I think that, like, you want to have that mindset to be successful. But once you, like, get going on that path, that mindset just keeps growing, I guess. That's funny. I was just reading about that. Kid gave me this great book, and it's pretty much about ego. Yeah. And he talks about even passion and all of what we confuse is, it's pretty much just ego-driven. Yeah. Right? So that's, you know, so when you're able to start understanding that and say, okay, okay, I have all of this, but how's my relationship with my family? How, right. how, do, how do people see me? How do, you know, just right. all of those type of things. Yeah, yeah, I've thought about that a lot. Um, even, like, I've had people around me, like, tell me that, like, not to get lost if I, like, get really successful. And I think about that a lot because I've, like, I, I have... I'm really close with my family now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't want to ever be that like absent father type figure yeah, it's... that is like doing business when the kid is playing soccer uh, rather than being at the game. You know, yeah, it's, it's finding that balance. I mean, you need to do what you need to do to provide for your family, you know, what have you, you know, but being able to understand that how much, wealth there is in, in in that spending that time with the family oh yeah you know i mean it's I mean, sure we saw it after not working at unm trying to recreate what have you and we're like but they were like you know what we're giving time to our kids now all we're spending all this time with these college kids one out of five cared their family but the other four there you know look at right now you're no longer there somebody else is there that's just the way it is yeah you know but your kids and they happen to love what you do so why not give them because we were talking about okay let's say we could coaching college could we travel with Cristiano could we travel with Paolo could we you know no we would have been coaching everybody else but them right spending you know not like I ever wanted to coach my kids I always wish there was someone else yeah but at the same time being here there was no options so you just like we we have to do it yeah so it is yeah there's like we were talking about earlier that like tangible um player or like team that like you can go and watch and like envision yourself playing as like you had the professional team in Guatemala that you were like, Oh, I want to go to that level in New Mexico. There's never really been like when I was younger, it was the UNM soccer program. Mm -hmm. Like we would go to the games and there would be the big crowds and you'd be like all excited to like maybe one day play there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then now I guess it's United, but it's, I don't, there's very few areas where you can actually like train to like get to those levels to to those in levels. New Mexico. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, like, I mean, both kid and I, luckily because of what we do, we develop a stronger relationship with them. You yeah. know, we, st- we went to almost every practice that we could, you know, and we were there a lot for those same reasons, not to, it just, if anything, to have that path, mm-hmm. see, okay, this is what you're looking for. So if we ever have a chance of getting a player this way, well, the other ones were on the phone and trying to, you know, um, your friend that we were actually there watching, learning, right. growing for our own personal self, for our personal growth, for the club, for us, you know, but it was like, I go, great. We don't need to go and spend money that the club doesn't have and traveling to seminars or whatever. Right. We have it here. Yeah, it's not 
Barcelona, Real Madrid, but you know what though? They're learning from them and it's professional. It is, you know, I, I equated to, it was the equivalent of me growing up back, you know, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, we even see it right now, you know, which just the, the, the little ones with this whole academy they're doing. Now they're seeing, oh, I know this player. I know that player. So for them, it started to become a little more, right. more real, you know, instead yeah. of just, okay, the professional team is there. Every once in a while, we'll get a player to come and do a session or whatever. Right. But like I said, there's no link. There's no... Yeah, it doesn't, it just feels separated. And Well, you, you know, for me... The way you have to, you got to understand what they're looking for, what are they doing, and try to work within your parameters, but try to work, you know, kind of like, I want to help these kids mm -hmm. go here, you know? And, you know, we're really in our group, we're talking about maybe some of the Cristiano's group, the little ones for sure, but it's like with this path, you know? Eventually to the point, like you say, okay, my more more mature players, if they have something of those ages, send them there. Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, it's about me. That should, you know, that should be everybody's goal, right? You get them, boom. And then you start again mm -hmm. and do it again and again and again. And continue working with those other ones because you know how it is. I mean, you know, Europe is smarter than us in that sense. They, they sort of try to hear where there might be a kid because they're, you're 15, he's 15, but if one is not mature physically, they see something, let you play lower. Right. So you can still have success. Right. Because three, four years now, those guys are going to be ahead of those guys that were, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, so. Yeah, I've, I feel like the, the soccer system in the U.S. is so broken. I don't know how you even go about fixing well, it. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, having spent time with the Austin FC group, they're doing it the right way. And really? There's a few other groups. Like, their staff is complete. The main guy is an American guy, went to Berkeley, played a little bit in the MLS. Young guys. He, seem, he seems like a great guy. He seems really, but they brought, I mean, the director, technical director is the guy that was with Villarreal, with Valencia. He was pretty much in charge of the development of David Silva, uh, Navas, all those players, you know, that we see. Then he went to Qatar, yeah. the, the Aspire Academy, okay. hired for 10 years. So pretty much his contract was done. They So he's been here now a year and a half. Dang. And he, and therefore he brought all his coaches. Mm -hmm. But not necessarily from, you know, he brought coaches that were already here that were with him, but one was at this United, you know, you know, people that understood also what the, the, the market, the world, the way it was done here, right. but with their philosophy, with their mentality. And, and actually there's a, it's a great um, little thing on YouTube about the two, the technical director and the general manager talking, and they're talking about that, how if we, if you tell me this is the best player, the youth 13, so we go. Because in our head, okay, best play, why? Biggest guy, strongest guy. Mm -hmm. Not to say that if there's something good about that big, strong, that we're not going to keep an eye on that right. kid. But many times, when, especially in this country, when you talk about the best player in this age, it's because they're the physically most gifted players of that time. That's how I was. You, you know, but, but in my head, that's like I said, that's why it's great. Let's work with that kid. Because mm -hmm. there is something there, obviously. Yeah. But the problem here is, you're successful because of what you're doing physically. People ignore and they don't help you with the other areas. Right. And the moment you're not able to physically continue to, you know, push your way around to say something, you know, you're like, I didn't gain these other tools. Mm -hmm. And that's really where, you know, for us as, as, as coaches, and that's what I love listening to them is like, hey, I'm looking for the smart player. I'm looking for someone that I can see something, some spark, some, some value, Right. you know? Most likely it's not going to be the biggest guy because that's how they're, they haven't had to solve problems. Yeah, it, you know? yeah, it's kind of like the, um, 
like a like a buffalo or a what are those ones called in like Montana? They're giant animals, but they they don't have they don't think they don't think because they can just smash everything. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be like smart. Mm -hmm. They can just like run things over. Yeah, and that's kind of how I was. I didn't ever think about like the technical side. I was just like faster and angrier than everybody else. But that, again, that's great, right? Yeah. But you work with that. Right. I, I mean, you get, I mean, you're already getting, we're all, I mean, you know, we spend hours with strength coaches, speed coach nowadays, all these things, because that's what most people are lacking. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you already have someone that has that, give them the other tools, because then really what happens is that even the other ones might catch up a little bit physically, but you have so many more yeah. layers to, to your, you know, more tools. Yeah, I guess a lot of the current U.S. coaches are very short-term thinking. It's mm -hmm. like just about winning the next game rather than like creating a, a lifelong well, player. It's, I mean, I, I list, you know, New Mexico, right? I mean, it's when a player happens to go places or something, it is so much about them. Oh, they were with us since they were little, you know, and it's like, and that's all they care about. They're just seeing, uh, you know, you, you know, play. I mean, they bring Sergio Rivas back. Mm -hmm. I always said Sergio Rivas has all the tools, but for all the tools that he had, that kid should have gone straight up to the highest level. Where, yeah. But because he was never put in those environments. He was just, oh, at a certain point, he became better than others. And they were happy with that. He was helping them win state championships or whatever. Yeah, I was on that team. In, there you go. He Instead of saying, you know what? You need to move up. Yeah. You need to go and play a couple of years up. Get your butt kicked a little bit. You know, uh, learn to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Okay, you, you have to be able to assess and say, okay, he's become above this group. Nothing wrong. Let's keep working with the other ones, but help him get there. But like I said, here it's about me. It's about how do I pat myself on the back because because of this group of players, one, you know, just, you know. Right. And that's, that's uh, and it's difficult to change because the culture of the people, the parents, everyone in, you know, because well, the parents are the ones in charge, right? They pay the bills, yeah. and therefore, you know, they're, they they want you to keep winning those things, you know, instead of saying, oh, no, if you take it, how come? Because then they'll take you or whoever else right. to other teams because you no longer have that, actually, you know, so it's, but it's because the culture is not set from the beginning. Yeah. You know, if you're saying, we're going to develop, you know, I just had a conversation with a parent, really our job, and I, I, I've been guilty of it, you know, and we, we grow and we learn, but it's when a younger player is not getting it done, I'm not going to replace that kid. Mm -hmm. I am at fault. It's like a teacher. I, you are at fault. Unless the kid doesn't care. That's a different story. But if the kid cares, you have to keep working with them. Because we don't know what's going to happen with a seven, eight, nine-year-old when they're 15, 16. Right. You know? But, you know, many times we're like, ooh, somebody else is, we, you know, this kid is better. Let's or guest player. Let's play. You know, again, the short term instead of the, you know, the, the long term. Right. You know? So it's. Yeah. That's difficult to. um try and fight against, I guess. I mean, you guys are watching. I've been watching you guys train obviously for years now and training Brendan and stuff. And you guys are really, really focused on like the development of players more than anybody I have like come across, which is fun to see. Like Brendan's technical skills got ahead of mine when I, I mean, he's seven years younger than me and like, I wasn't able to keep up with his technical skills because he was training with you guys so much. And you guys like inspired a like a love for the game more than anyone I'd ever seen. Like those kids would just train after the training and you guys would go like six, seven days a week 
and they just wouldn't stop. Like after, after the training, they would play for like another hour. And that was like every day when you guys were already going like six days a week. I don't really, it's hard for me to understand how you got players to that level of like love. You know, it's, uh, it's, you know, and that's what it's all about. I mean, that's the thing here. Every so structured, they, but the, the federation says an hour and a half of training, they, you know, and I'm fine. The, the main training, sure, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to, so the main training is X, Y amount of time, but it's all those other things. And I think for us, it was, it's about, you know, we're playing the street, we're playing the cement, you know, so the actual training was a small period of time, mm-hmm. but it was just the rest, I mean, you talk, go back to the Johan Kroos, who used to say, okay, I trained two, three times a week when I was little with my team. But the other, the rest of the time, even the days I trained, I was in the street playing with the other guys for hours on end. Right. You know, so, so we forget that. I mean, we want to put everything this. And I said, is that how we're going to develop? That's what you're saying. Or is that because therefore you can have more teams, make more money, right. you know, and just, you know, and, and what we were lucky, we were able to create an environment that even if we had multiple teams, we can somehow keep the other group that wanted to keep training and playing with this group. You know, we're able to adjust our, mm. our sessions or everything so that yeah, people want to stay longer, let them be, Right. you know, and it's uh, actually last year I had a conversation with the group of, you know, the, the, the Kaya group now. Uh, because I will ask them to come days that they didn't train. Come, you know, I'm mandatory coming over. I'm going to be working with the older group, but feel free, do rondos, do what. What I wanted them just to be with the, with the kids, with the environment. And it was the best thing. I mean, like you said, that's how we were, by trying to combine those Yeah, one things. sec, I'm going <laughs> to, all right. Sorry, my dog was barking. Um, I don't even remember where we were, but... No, we were just talking about the, the creating the environment where the kids want to be there, no matter, like you say, whether you're training all these hours, all these days, but you still want, you want more. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, that's really, you know, the, somebody said it perfectly, you know, like we were saying earlier, passion, yeah, many times it's really pretty much just ego, but when you combine passion and love, and that's where like, you know, that mixture, you know, it's, uh, you know, like people say, you can fall out of love. Well, same thing. Passion can be just about you. Yeah. But I think if when you combine those two and, you know, and, and, and for our groups, that's always been interesting because we haven't been the team that wins everything mm-hmm. because of the mixture of ages, everything that we, that we've always had. No, no, no. I mean, you know, but it's been like, Hey, we want more. And then all of a sudden you get a result and you're like, you feel, you know, Excited in, in, in many ways because your hard work is, is shown. But real for us, it's like, are you developing? Are you becoming? Are you, and for us, development, it's been always about finding that love, like I said, and that combination of, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, do you love it where you want to come back and keep working on it? Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, that's been, that's, that's, really, that's really what we always wanted to do. You know, I even felt like I used to tell kids this all the time. I always felt... Um, you know, like boxed a little bit coaching in the college environment, the amount of hours, you know, yeah, it became a business, you know, kids were not there for love. There's mm. money. They came to you because you probably were the best offer compared to other schools, yeah. things like that, you know? So, so, and there's always, there was kids that loved it and want to be there, but overall it wasn't, you know, it wasn't always about, about that, you know? Right. You know. Yeah. I saw that a lot being in college. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was there, I'd never had scholarship for soccer. Luckily I did pretty well with uh, academics. So I got some scholarship for academics, but I never asked for money for soccer. Um, 
And like, I was there because of the team. Like I, I loved the environment and I, I really enjoyed playing. I didn't really like soccer until like I got to college, mm -hmm. honestly, growing up, it was like always a battle for me to go to training and stuff. And I didn't really enjoy going to training, but once I got to college, it like blossomed into something different, but I saw like those guys who were here just because it was the best offer. And, um, a lot of that was like people from like internationals, people from outside the country, they would, they're looking for an opportunity to play in America at, while also getting their education. Um, and for them, oftentimes it was about the money, um, rather than like our team. Um, but there were also internationals that were the opposite of that. So it's, it's hard to tell. And there were also a lot of Americans that were like that, um, just looking for the best offer. But yeah, it's, I don't know how you like find that area where it's like passion, but like, because like you said, passion can definitely like fade in and fade out and you don't, you're not always super passionate about something. Um, like, cause I wasn't passionate about it until college and that like pushed me to find passion in it i guess i was yeah, like i'm here yeah, exactly yeah yeah but like you know and and, and and that's sad because like you had the tools obviously you know you were able to take your game to the next level the collegiate levels you know so it's really again that's when us as coaches that's more of a failure on us as coaches than the actual player because if you're not if you didn't find that passion luckily you stayed with it which was great, you know, so allow you to find that passion, you know, find that love for it, you know, but it's where we're, we're, you know, we have to be able to do a better job of helping these young players find that passion earlier and then continue to build upon them. Yeah. You know, and I think, again, a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, uh, like you're saying, coaches, it's about winning, you know, uh, Parents is about winning or sometimes parents like, oh, why are you doing it? You know, you're not really going to achieve much out of it. When we, we can just let the kid be, it's kind of like give him a piece of paper, give him the crayons, give him, let him, let him color, let him do whatever. And they've get done with that. Give him more, give him more, give him more. Maybe they're Picasso, maybe they're not, but they're having fun. Right. You know, the moment they don't have fun and they want something else, absolutely, you know. But if you see that they're enjoying it and going, you know, we, we continue giving them the tools and they, but, but we just have to you know, we have to be able to, to find a better way to, to help the younger kids find that passion and then grow from that. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, again, you know, again, somebody else, I mean, we've been spending a lot of time with, uh, his name is Todd Bean from the Tovo Academy in Barcelona. I mean, he, the guy is just, you know, and it's nice to see here's an American coach, player, you know, college athlete living in Spain now, mixing the, the European ways with the, with the American ways. And it's just, we as coaches, we're developing children. Right. I mean, and the problem is how many of us really care about that? You know, I mean, I, I'm lucky having my own kids and whatever. So we spend a lot of time trying to become better understanding the, the, the kids that we have in front of us and trying to educate them the best way possible because the soccer is so small. Like you're saying, I think, luckily, I think if anybody says, what have you done? I think the area that I can say we have a little success is being able to understand them. Not everyone, because we're not perfect, you know, try, but, but uh, where these kids want to come back and want to keep doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, but, but it's been more about trying to understand them instead of trying to 
feed them X's and O's and this is how you play the game or, right. you know, but just, I think when we develop that relationship and I think in that, I got to give it to coaching women. I do have, because one thing with women is if you don't gain their respect, nothing matters. doesn't matter how much, you know, you have to gain their respect. If they respect you, then they'll be able to listen and they can do things that, you know, maybe physically people didn't think they could. Right. You know, and I, that I was lucky to spend so many years coaching women from club, high school to college because it helped me and it's helped me more even so now that I'm spending all my time with these younger players, you know, right. be able to understand, okay, the first thing I got to do no matter what is gain their respect yeah. in order to open up, you know, and when I see somebody's looking for my attention, I have to be able to stop what I'm doing to try to give them that attention. Right. Because that's how you lose them as well. After a while, it's like, I mean, Cristiano, perfect example, last year in school, first day when they started with the online, they're not asking me. I'm, I'm raising, I'm push, pressing my button that says raise the hand and they're not looking at me. So you could see after a while, he was Zelda. everywhere but there. Yeah. You know, and like I said, it's in that sense, I keep learning. Mm -hmm. I'm watching him taking his classes at home and I'm like, I'm learning the, the interactions just with him. I go, yep. I was guilty of that as well, you know? So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. These kids teach us so much. You know? Yeah. That's, I never even, like, I haven't thought about it in that way. It's, I mean, it's cool that there is someone thinking about it in that way. It's, you know, it's, I mean, like I was saying to you, when I got here, I'm gathering my strength to go and work with the little ones because it take, I told kid, it, that's exhausting when I'm done. Oh, yeah. And it's not a long period of time, but I am exhausted, but it's fun. And yeah. I'm exhausted because I want to. I could just let them be. Or like I said, if I were just to teach them skill like we used to before, that would be easier. Mm -hmm. It's a repetition. Do this, do this. Sure, they might go right when you ask them to go left. But but as we're trying to really get them to understand the game, to to learn through playing, mm -hmm. that's what, you know, it's, 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 it's tiring. But it's so much fun to see when they start into, you know. Really catch on. Catch on and, and doing it and having success because of it. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it it is, it is enjoyable. Yeah. What kind of training did you have at like the younger kids age? You know what? I mean, I was, I, I remember here, I was eight is probably the first time I remember being in a, in a serious team and we're playing U12. I was the only, the only group around and it was an ex-professional player, very good friends with my dad. And, um, but he will, it was only on Saturdays. He will come up, he will drive around the houses, picking us up in his little VW <laughs> van and he'll pick us up, take us to practice. Uh, and then during the week, he was us in the street playing with the different kids. Uh, I was lucky to have a big backyard. So whenever they got, my parents got mad, grandma got mad, you know, I would bring him inside the house. We kept playing in <laughs> there. Uh, but, uh, but it wasn't, it probably was my second year where that same team, we were able to go and then start training twice a week on the Saturdays. It was the Queen Park Rangers. I remember that was the, the, the like oh, I said, the coach loved soccer. So he, you know, he, he knew the teams from Europe right. and, you know, uh, but it was, that was, that was our, that was our name. And, uh, um, but, but it wasn't anything like it is now. Right. It was, but he was teaching us by what he learned from being a player. Mm -hmm. And it was more us trying to repeat what we seen going to games through that week you know, than anything else. And then there, there was a, you know, there was a value to that. Right. You know, there was a, there was a, there was a value to that. Uh, but um, it was street soccer with a little bit of direction. Interesting. And that's, uh, uh, you know, then later, uh, sixth grade, for uh, in our country, it's uh, school soccer that's the most, 
the highest level. Oh, okay. You know, so luckily for me, I was able to get into the uh, Jesuit school in sixth grade. And there, our schools there go from pre-K until uh, your senior year. You know, so I was in different oh, at schools. the same school? Yeah, the same school. Oh, wow. So sixth grade, I was able to go to this school. And I remember when I went on fifth, you know, at the end of my fifth grade, I went to take the test to get into the school. I was like, whatever. I, you know, I didn't really know what it was all about. But then at lunch, I went over by the cafeteria to see in the overseas, the stadium. I'm like, okay. Right. Now I better go and do well on the second <laughs> part of the test because I want to come here. Right. You know, but I had no idea, but there was good academics. You know, everything was, I wanted to, you know, when I saw that field, I want to play there. Right. You know, uh, so, so that was, we, we were very fortunate. We had a great, great coach and that was every day. You know, we train every day and it was exactly what we're saying. We were, we, our school went all the way into 150 and we started earlier and then we started training that we had three divisions, you know, pretty much, let's say six, seventh graders, eight, nine, and then, you know, the, 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 the oldest group. And so we will train, the youngest will train first then the other groups. But since the bus didn't, you know, you, to go home, we took a bus and it was at, at the end of the day, five o'clock, we were, I will stay there. And I will go and work with the ball, hoping mm-hmm. that the coach will let me train with the second, you know, the, the, the middle, the middle age group, right. you know, and, and, and little by little, he let me do, we had this big stance. I would be hitting balls on the wall. And then a couple of teams will follow and we start doing it. And little by little, they let us. So we actually started playing on the, on the second team a year earlier than most of the oh, other nice. players, but it was, you know, but it was that, it was the same coach. You know, it was the same coach that coached all three teams. Oh, uh, and actually our school even had a, a professional team in the third division. It was, you know, it was professional because the division was professional, but it was more, um, a, you know, alumni, you know, that play because they loved it. I mean, right. they all had careers and things, but, uh, uh, but it was a great, it was a great environment. It was, um, it really allowed us to, to transfer what we were learning. A lot of our, a lot of our players, went on to play professionally, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, in seventh grade, we had a priest that would take over a grade for the last next five years. And luckily for us, the one priest that we had, he was the athletic director. And the, the class that he had just graduated had the player that had the most success for, for, for the school who played professionally, played for the national team. So I got to, you know, hang around with him and spend oh, nice. a lot of time with him. And that really helped me. You know, because our country, Guatemala, when I made the national team, for example, I was, they were training at 11 a.m. I was the only kid going to school. The rest of the kids didn't go to school. How old were you when you made the national team? I was first 16. We was the U19 at that time. Oh, wow. But I never forget this. If it wasn't for that priest, my parents didn't even know. My parents said, you're not training. It's 11 a.m. You're in the middle of class. Right. So he let me go. He even gave me a chance to get the three buses to make it. My first ever practice, I'll never forget. I got to practice. We had a uniform. I'm running with my, you know, and I get there and the coach from the senior team looks at me. What are you doing? Getting ready for practice. It's 11.01. Practice already started. But I'm coming from school. You know, the typical excuses that we're, hey, it's 11.01. I don't care. Yeah. I sat there, watched the whole practice, and I'm thinking, number one, I'm mad that I can't train. Two, I got to get back to school. Three, my parents are going to find that I left school, <laughs> and will I ever get to train? Right. You know, and luckily, they understood that I was going to school, so they made some, you know, we started, they started training earlier, you know, and things like that. But, uh, but it, was, it was, you know, again, I was the only one going to school from that whole group. So it was a different world, completely different people, completely different. Were most um, of them older? They were, well, I was younger for that group. Most of them were 18, 17, but it was, you know, again, soccer. It was more soccer culture. Soccer culture. School. You know, exactly. You know, um, you go to, you go to school to become a professional. You don't 
think of, you know. Right. So like I said, I mean, we had players go, but from all of them, there's this one guy. And he actually ended up giving up. He could have gone and played professional for many years, but, you know, family business, different things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, uh, you will not become rich playing in our countries, you know, soccer. You did it because you loved it. Right. You know, but at that, you know, for me, it didn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's, it's. When did you decide that you were going to be a goalie? You know, I always loved it. Always, always liked it. I mean, um, same thing going back to before reading those old graphical magazines. My favorite keeper was the Argentinian keeper for the 78 World Cup. And he would wear, a, you know, a shirt with a little collar coming. So I would go up to my dad's room, take his polos and his <laughs> best sweaters and dive around. So I would dive around all the time. I love playing on the field, uh -huh. but I'll dive around. So maybe a combination of... Um, my skill level was very good, but maybe I didn't have the pace as some of the other players. Right. And I loved the, the goal. And because I remember my dad told the coach in sixth grade, you know, Jorge can play goalkeeper too. And they needed a goal. So they put me in, but I was still doing both. And finally the coach said, you have the tools, get it done. Yeah. You know, so that's, you know, I've said middle, middle of sixth grade is when I really made that transition and just, um, it really, I had fun. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, goalkeepers, <clears throat> there's like a different, there's a different <laughs> mindset when it comes to a goalkeeper. It's it's strange. It, Every it, goalkeeper that I've met is a little bit weird. It, uh, absolutely. You 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 have to be. You know, you, uh, one of my favorite stories from a goalkeeper that I grew up watching, he was intense. The fans would yell at him. He yelled back. One day playing, his team went to play in a, you know, a little friendly game to a small division. So the, the stadiums were smaller, so it was just a little fence. So as he's yelling at the fans, the ball goes over, jumps over the fence to grab the ball. No problem, throws the ball back, jumps over. His shoelaces get caught. So he's upside down on the fence. Oh, All these fans that he had been yelling back and forth and then, you know, are coming after him. Oh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> But, you know, and I, I used to love these guys. I was like, you know, I used to thought that was pretty cool. And ever said, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be killed. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but yes, you know, goalkeeping, goalkeeping is, it's, it is different. You know, and uh, as a matter of fact, when I work with young kids that want to be goalkeepers and, and I don't see anything different about them, it's kind of like, do you really want to do this? Right. You know, do you, do you really understand what this is, you know, what yeah. this takes? There really is something that like visual that you can tell that this and physical that this person's like a little bit different and wants to be in the goal and is like not worried about like putting their body on the line as much exactly and it's and let's face it you spend a lot of the time by yourself mm -hmm. so you learn you're talking to yourself yeah you know, my, my best friend in Durango is a goalkeeper um for the men's team and mm -hmm. he he always equates it to like being a different sport kind of yeah like when you're the goalkeeper it's kind of a different different world um like you're separated from all the players you're the only person that gets to use your hands there's a whole, it's just like a different, you've, you've got an 18 yard sprint and that's like the whole sprint that you yeah. can, you'll do. Um, and it's just a little, it's just soccer, but tweaked a little bit in that box. And it's, there's a totally different mindset when you're in that box. No, it, it is. I mean, let's say you're right. Your training is completely different. Uh, that's why newer, the German keeper became such a, you know, a wild sensation because he will be, he play off his line, he'll come out and, and, and you know, kind of like the old sweeper type of situation, you come and clear balls. And that's, for me, that was, no, that's how I played, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, but for a lot of the people now, you know, I'll go keep it, you're not supposed to do that. Right. You know, and, uh, and many, you know, in, in fact too, many coaches would not even include the goalkeepers into their training, which is wrong. 
you know, because especially now, you got to use your feet and everything. But uh, that is, um, there is such a different position. Um, the modern game has a lot of, you see, now, Liverpool, Man City with Brazilian goalkeepers, things that never happened before because the need to be able to play with your feet, you know, see the game as a field player. So that's really, when you get a goalkeeper that can understand the game as a field player would, you can have much more success. Right. Regardless of your physical attributes, you know, uh, it's... One of the reasons the United States had so many great goalkeepers because goalkeeping is about physical attributes. Mm -hmm. So we've had great athletes, yeah. you know, from the Casey Kellers to the, you know, to the, what's his name, uh, Tim Howard, Tim Howard. who's a big time basketball player. You know, mm. so, so you have this combination of, of things. But then at the same time, if you can add some field smarts, then you really, I mean, the kid that's playing right now for Man City, the backup keepers, I think it's Zach Steffen. Yeah. You know, an American kid. I mean, just, he sees the game differently because he was also a very good player right you know. yeah that's my favorite thing like um peter the goalkeeper for fort lewis he's he knows the game really really well and he's very um commanding he tells everybody where to be that's like my favorite thing mm -hmm. as a center back because i'm trying to talk to everybody in front of me if i have someone behind me that's telling me where i need to be it's one less thing that i have to think about it makes it a lot um makes the game a lot easier yes no, I mean, as a goalkeeper, you have to be a coach in the field. Mm -hmm. you, 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 like I say, you, you can either spend the entire time talking to yourself, you know, or you spend the entire time looking, reading, seeing, yeah. you know, understanding what goes on. There's a reason why goalkeepers can play longer, you know, if you really, you know, they can physically stay, you know, play, you know, Buffon right now is what, 42 years old. Right. Uh, I just saw a keeper on the third division playing Real Madrid, you know, 41 years old. And he looked, he was a cat. I mean, yeah. that guy was, you know, <laughs> so if you can keep yourself physically fit, which nowadays everything is better and different than it used to be. Uh, but if you're always coaching, you know, it's, that's what a good goalkeeper is all about. Yeah. You know, just... I always tell the kids, everything I'm at practice, everything I'm just said to this defender, that's you. That's what you need to be talking to them. Right. I don't need to be heard anymore. You guys need to, you know, uh, with the college teams, I will spend time sitting down with the goalkeepers while we train the defenders so they understood that and say, okay, now it's up to you. You guys need to relate. You run this session now. Yeah, it's you important know. to include those goalkeepers it, into the defensive. It, it, it is. Like you said, I mean, here you are as a defender. You have, you're going to play with more confidence because, you know, you have somebody behind that's feeling it, that's understanding. So if you're not perfect, they're there for you. Right. You know, and... uh so that's, and it, it goes back to teaching the game, you know, yeah. not just, oh, you're a goalkeeper, you can use your hands, stay on the side and go and train against the wall. If you have a goalkeeper coach, let them work with them. Mm -hmm. You know, you still got to include, you know, the, the, you know, so for, and even for the relationships, you know, the locker room is so important. Yeah. You know, even though the young kids don't have locker rooms per se, it's all of that time they're not training. Right. It's critical. They don't need to be best friends, but they need to have some sort of relationship. It's usually where you find your friends though. Especially yes. like I've most of my friends, pretty much all of my friends have come from soccer. Yes. Because you can relate so much to like the training, the putting in the hours, the that just that whole side. It you it connects you. Connects you. You know, it's important. I mean, kids always said, I mean, your success has a lot to do with the people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. You know, people with the same drives, the same likes, you know, it's it's it really is. And um when we coached at USC, for example, it was easier for athletes to be motivated because you had a 
ridiculous amount of coaches or athletes that were competing for Olympics, you know, training for, so it wasn't just about the college, about competing against the next game. They had other plans. So it was, you're talking about some of the best athletes in the world. So it was like, you want to, I mean, I remember even as a coach, I, I spent, I trained the best I ever did when I was working there. Yeah. You know, when you, when we came here, we had to create that environment. That was not the norm. That was not something that was, uh, we were lucky with the strengths that we had, you know, and he's from here and from New Mexico and this guy's one of the best, you know, but he had experience with the Olympic team. So he was able to bring that into it, but it was, you really, you know, we had to create that environment. And then at the end we did, we, we were able to, right. you know, to, to, to create, but that's really, you know, when we see that's going back to what you were saying earlier about the kids wanting to stay later for us, that's really been our number one goal, mm-hmm. putting in there what these kids want to do it. Even right now with the limitations that we have, I laugh at these little kids. Uh, I took their lights, you know, because when we're done, when I'm done with them and I got to move on to the next group, I let them stay and play. Right. But yesterday I didn't even pay attention and I turned the light towards the other area. So that little dirt field didn't have any light, but I hear all this giggling. Also, they're playing hide and go seek. You know, and like you said, here they are. They're becoming great friends, and and for them is in the world that we live in right now is even more important because you know everybody's in their own bubbles. Yeah, you know, you go and they don't even go to school. So so maybe that two families that live close, they spend time together. So they're not picking up or driving other kids, just them. So, but that time, those kids together Mm -hmm. maybe when we're training they're fighting because you know they want to win or whatever but when that is done they're able to be kids yeah and just just have fun and we're like absolutely they leave the game on the field yeah Yeah. just just be a kid just 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 be because this is going to help us you know developing that yeah that that uh you know it's the culture the overall culture is what what's important and and again going back to tovo and todd bean he talks so much about that what is your culture yeah. What is, you know, as, is, does your club have a culture mm-hmm. or it's all about the individual? It's all about, you know, and, and that for me, that's one thing that we love about the Pats. The, the, there is a, there is a culture, you know, it's unfortunate that we're so far away from the, from the rest of the group, but uh, there is, um, there's relationships, there's, you know, we, uh, we see, we see patterns mm-hmm. in other clubs. You're part of certain organizations, but there's no there's no relationships. Right. You know, it's- yeah. That was something that I was a part of um, trying to rebuild um, was the culture at Fort Lewis. Cause we switched coaches my freshman year. Um, and just that whole process of trying to figure out a culture, it, it just takes time mm-hmm. and it's, it's brutal because you have to like, especially when you're recruiting, you have to try and find these kids that are going to fit into the culture. Into the culture. And if they don't fit, it like breaks it up. Yeah. It really ruins yes. things. Yes. Um, and then you you see those kids that are kind of just like jumping from culture to culture, you know? Uh, and if you bring those kids in that aren't fitting into the culture, they're going to pull some of those other guys that really don't, they're not really set on how they want it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it really divides the team. It can make things really, really bad. No, I mean, you know, that's a part I loved. The recruiting part of the college coaching, it's a lot of fun. If you do it right, if you're willing to put the time because you're correct. I mean, you know, you, you have a bigger name on your jersey. Sometimes, you know, you're able to find a good player. That's, but when you're in those other schools where you're trying to create create things, it takes, it takes that time and you have to be careful. And you make mistakes. 
you know, but I mean, overall, trying to find that person, that athlete that is going to understand, forget about how great that person is uh, as a player, but as a person. And like you're saying, if you have a certain culture, can they fit into this culture? Right. Because at that age, I mean, you know, you just went through that. You're all over the place. You know, you, it's supposed to be the best years of your life, right? But you are making decisions. What do you want to do? I mean, you've been yeah. thinking about dreaming about, about doing this and that, but now you're really in the years where like, okay, whatever that is that I'm going to, from here, I got to go to the real world, you know? Yeah. That's why so many stayed in school and get a degree after degree because yeah, they're seriously. still confused. Don't know. You know, it's a lot easier, not easier, but I mean, you know, being it a, is. a professional student. Then. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out because I still have two years of eligibility at the soccer level and I was... I was going to go back and keep going. And like my mom was, she just wanted me to do what I wanted to do. Um, and I like got to the point where I'm like, it just doesn't make any sense for me anymore. Like I, it's time for me to like move on to the real world and start. Cause I've always had aspirations in business and helping out the family businesses. And um, it just, especially with all the COVID stuff going on, I, I didn't see like, a huge draw to soccer anymore. And I had also felt that soccer had kind of played its part in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it helped me get through hard times and, um, it just taught me a lot, but it was like, now I'm trying, now it's time for me to go use what I learned in the real world. And that's, that's something that I value a lot out of a coach is knowing that like soccer isn't everything. Um, but it's, it can teach you so much. Yeah. And that's what, like, my coach at Fort Lewis, he was like, I know soccer isn't your whole life, and it's not for everybody. And he's really focused on making sure that everyone's getting their academics straight. Um, I'm pretty sure that we just, the Fort Lewis men's team just got the highest GPA out of all the men's programs, the, the soccer team, which was, like, one of our goals from mm-hmm. when I first got yeah. there. And we finally achieved it, which is awesome. Um, but like knowing that like you're building players for what they're going to do after soccer. Um, like you'll get a couple of players who are able to play at the next level, but the majority of your team isn't going to make it professional. And even if they, whoever makes it, you know, you're right. It's about that, you know, them being successful away from the game. Uh, you're right. I mean, you're you're so right. I mean, it's uh, I mean, we're lucky in this country that we can use soccer in so many different ways. You know, help through through high school, get into college. You know, forget even the professional level. Just there's so many other other areas of that this game. But like you're right. I think the biggest thing about any, I mean, anything that you do extra, but since we, you know, soccer is what we do. It's about helping you grow. Think, think helping you understand the goods and the bads, and how do you. You survive. I mean, I think you're right. You you are. I mean, you're you're an example. You're an example of character. And you know, we talk about integrity all the time. You know, and a lot of people integrity, integrity. But you know, integrity really is doing what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's few. You you've been doing that. Mm. I mean, you know, most college kids your age don't have to. You know, they're not faced with decisions you've had to yeah. to, to 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 make in the last two years. And you know, and even so, other people have said, oh. Yes, and but you know what? No, I still got, I still want to do this because this is what you know. You you had to say I'm, I want to do this, but luckily I have these tools where I can come here and help 
help myself, but, you know, while I'm helping my family and that, you know, and it's, I mean, this country was built on that. Yeah. I think we've lost that. That's really, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, back in the years where this families had to work together or sleep in one or whatever, you know, to, to create. And those families didn't see it. It was generations, two, three generations later who, who were able to see the, the fruits that were set there, you know. Yeah, we've, we've really, lost that. we've gotten to a point where you can see it much quicker. Yeah. And, and somebody else going to give it to you. And we, yeah. And we've even <laughs> lost it. Yeah. Even, even now, like, like you were saying back, back in the day, if you were, if you were planning something for your family's future, it was like your family's future, not mm -hmm. your future. Yes. And now, like, if you're planning something for your family's future, that can be five, 10 years down the line mm -hmm. and you can make your family successful. Yeah. Back in the day, it was decades. Decades. No, no, it's, uh, you know, like I said, this country was built from people from all over the place for different situations they were here, but they work hard to, you know, they did what they had to do mm -hmm. to put food on the table. And then little by little, they were able to do a little bit more and things, you know, and it's, you know, we've gotten to a point like, if I don't work, I get something. If I, you know, anyway, I can get to work. Yeah, but no, I, mean, I agree. It's, it's, uh, We've created it's, a really like um, a culture of people who think that they deserve things, which I don't know. It's a really interesting like, um, I don't know what the word is, but like juxtaposition because there, all these people are talking about how there's so many people suffering, but then they're also saying like, we deserve things. And it's like, you can't really, you, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Like if you want something, you have to work for it. And if you want to give something to somebody, you're going to have to work extra hard to be able to give, you know, there's, uh, I was thinking about this, um, recently because I've been doing the Dave Ramsey stuff uh -huh. and I know you guys yeah. have been looking into that. <laughs> oh yes. Um, but the, the giving side, um, isn't something that I like, well, it's something that I thought about, but not to the extent that he talks about it. Like I always thought about like later on in the future when I'm successful, I'll be able to give something, but like there's always something that you can give and like, something that I can give right now is my time. And like, I have skills outside of my time that I can give to people as well. Um, like installing things or helping out with fencing or whatever, you know, just simple things that um, can make a difference, even if it's a small one, you know what I mean? And just being able to find that is important, I think. Well, I tell you, you know, how many people just since the weekend have been closing that correctly and feel great that it's so funny there's a hole next to it but they feel so safe they feel it's just you know right. and like you said that might seem like a simple thing but it means a lot to to us obviously and yeah. to to everyone that that's that's coming in and you're right though it, it is we can never forget no matter where we are about giving mm -hmm. i mean even in different ways paolo said it great to us i think it was saturday when we had all those shoes lay out there go this is amazing. Yeah. This is great. I mean, just, you know how great we all feel that here's something that I use, whether I grew it fast or they're, very, for, you know, they're almost new, but I'm able to, you know, there's, especially nowadays when you look at the price of all those things, oh, you know, it's, and crazy. it's like to say, okay, maybe two, three, four people can use them. Great. That really makes it, yeah. you know, it, it gets more value to that. But to see in the, the excitement of somebody else grabbing a pair of used shoes, because they were worn by X, Y, or Z, you know, that's, and he goes, that's how you create a culture. That's how you create a club. Cause this is, I, I love it. He goes, I, I, you know, I, you know, we used to talk about, you know, in soccer, even you know, before 
you when you were in a youth academy, you were an apprentice. Yeah. You had to sit down and get the mud off the shoes from the professional players. You know, uh, there's a great story. Alex Ferguson, the the coach from the academy, tells about this kid. Coach, this kid is ready, ready, mature, whatever. He went to watch him practice. He goes, yeah, I like what he's doing soccer. Okay, what is his duty? He, oh, his group is in charge of the, the, the toilets. Perfect. So he goes to this player and like, let's walk over. Go, where are you going? To the bathroom. Why to the bathroom? Yeah, you're in charge of the toilets. Yeah. I want to see the toilets. So he looks at the toilets and they're not really clean. So this is your job and they're not done correctly. How can I trust you on yeah. the first team? And he's looking, but I'm good. Look, I'm the top scorer, goal scorer. He goes, doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter. You know, and those little stories, you know, I think, again, we, we need more of that. We need more accountability, accountability. You know, we see it right now, right? A kid that makes an academy or what have you get new shoes, get this and that. And, and, but there was the accountability yeah. where's, you know, and those, those, those are the things that are important, um, you know, in everything, because whether it's your job, do it right, you know, and, and, and then also, what else are you doing outside? Yeah, I, uh, we had jobs at Fort Lewis for our team. I'm sure most colleges do, but because my freshman year, I was the only red shirt. Um, and I was the only freshman that like wasn't playing. Like he had recruited a lot of freshmen that were really good. And I was kind of the lower level of all of them. I was just kind of the workhorse. So I ended up doing most of the jobs um, by myself, not intentionally. Obviously, he didn't say these are mm -hmm. all yours, but like I was the only one willing to do it because I was at a level where I was like, if I ever want to do anything, I'm going to have to show them that I'm going to work, you know? And so I was, I was doing the balls, the pennies, the cones, I would bring out water. I was doing all that stuff. I was picking up the field. Um, and after that year, it just stuck with me. Like I kept doing it. And even like my senior year, I was the oldest guy on the team and I'm still trying to help out wherever I can, picking up all the pennies, picking up all the balls, making sure everything's organized because it's like, it just like sticks with you. Mm -hmm. And when you see those people that like understand that you can tell that they're much more devoted to the program and to growth and stuff like that than people who are just there for like kind of being cool. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's critical, you know, Again, you know, both Kid and I, and, and for the, the love that we have for this game, we we try to learn from everywhere else. And one of the groups we've spent a lot of time studying is the All Blacks and the New Zealand rugby team. Oh, yeah. And it was in, there's a great little book called Legacy. And they talk about actually a time in their, you know, in their process where they were, they went down a little bit. They, they, they lost the culture. They lost, you know, so they were... And the biggest thing is they, they, they had this in place and then they got rid of it cleaning the sheds they call it cleaning the sheds and what it was is after every practice or game the captains or pretty much the most mature the best paid players the, the players they were the ones cleaning the locker room cleaning wherever they were at so if they did it everybody else will do and that was i mean no matter what you know rugby players will have beers after games whatever no they will be the ones cleaning up and in those years that they lost that instead of having that you know it was picking up rugby players of the bushes because they're drank too much things like because they okay. lost culture they lost everything there and the new coach that comes in in the early 80s said we got to go back to the old school and the first thing he implemented was the cleaning the sheds and the, the main thing about having the captains the most successful players do it because if you see them doing it right 
everybody's going to do it. Yeah. You know, because here it's mostly going to be the case of what you were saying. Uh, it's either being forced on the younger player, uh, you, you're a freshman, you have to do it, or someone like you that say, hey, I'm a work, I, I like to work, so I'm going to give this here. And you're not doing it to oh, look good for the coach. That's who you are. Mm -hmm. And as a coach, you said, that's the type of person I want. Yeah. Because I'm not telling him to do it. Nobody's for him, but he wants to do it. It teaches you a lot. It teaches you it teaches you so so much. I mean, it's uh again, you know, that whole entitlement. And then it's uh, we talked to Cristiano, you know, Cristiano is there's no hiding it. The kid is different, he's special, mm -hmm. he has some tools, he's had opportunities, but the biggest thing is this is great, buddy. That's all great, but really you as a person was the most important. You have to be disciplined, you have to be willing to work everyone because the skills come and go, somebody they might find someone, you know, especially at the levels that you're going where they can recruit all over the world, yeah. you know, but it's, don't you say, oh, look at me, I'm, you know, and luckily for us, it's always been one, if anything, trying to bring the groups together. And, yeah. and uh, you know, sometimes they get upset with him because he's so intense in the game, but he's just competitive, he's trying to get everybody involved. But we always talk to him about those things, you know, hey, be the first one picking things up be the first one cleaning, be the first one doing the other things that, you know, we got him now a couple of times a week to help us work, you know, with us, with the little ones, just to, yeah, they like him, but for him to be, start understanding, giving back a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it's, and you know, it's, it's important. Yeah, that's, it is important, but it's also like the hardest thing to like teach someone. It's, the, the, the work rate when you don't need it, you know, like there is, there are times where people are just like special and they don't really have to work as hard, but to teach them that those times will come and go is just. It's, it's I mean, you know, you go back in the days, like Michelangelo, all those guys, they were apprentices, mm -hmm. you know, they, what they were doing, they went, you know, they're in Venice, they're in Florida, they're looking to, 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 to be an apprentice of the grand master, you know, but nowadays people are not looking to be apprentices. Right. They want to be it. They want to be, you know, they want to be the, the ones, you know, and it's like, like I was saying to you earlier, I mean, here we've been coaching for so many years and every single day you're learning more things, mm -hmm. you know, you, you just, you, you never stop learning, you know? And, and so no matter how gifted you are at something, there's, there's so much more, you know, it's every game might give you different challenge. Are you equipped to, to deal with that challenge? Uh, how do you, how do you solve those problems? Yeah. There's so many different facets to, especially like soccer. I mean, there's, tons of sports that have a lot of facets, but soccer is very complex. And especially as a coach, you have to know so many different positions and what situations everyone needs to be in, in so many different situations. Um, you really have to like new things will come up every game, every game. And you're like, how do, how do I want my, this player to like interact or move or do whatever in this situation that you may not have seen for a while, you know? No, I mean, I think, you know, on the professional level, we have a person like uh, Pep Guardiola. It's a perfect example of people. He was very successful, right? From playing, goes to coach the B team, wins, gets appointed to the Barcelona, best team ever. But he realized he wanted more challenges. And people, he came to the United States, spent a year watching the Jets, watching the Patriots, and then the, the basketball team, or the, the Knicks, right? And learning from them, understanding hmm. all the, you know, so here, here's the, at that time, the most successful soccer coach in the world, you know, but decided to take his year off living in New York and, uh, and learning from all of those 
teams, learning from all those coaches, understanding what you're saying. You know, yeah, we have to learn everything. But the Americans, look, they're smart. They have a offensive line coach, they have a defensive line. They have line. I mean, they can, you know. So he started implementing. Obviously, soccer uh-huh. is going to be different. You're never going to have a coach for every position. Right. But you're going to have a few different people in charge of things. And and he says to this day, he learned so much from that. And even right now, last year, he brought his name is Juan Lilo. A coach that he had some success, he coached in Mexico, but he's never, but he, he's an, uh, his brain for soccer is unbelievable. Yeah. He was Pep McGraw's mentor, and now he's assistant coach for him at Man City. Man City starting to go up again, and you see him, everyone's out there, they show a picture of him sitting in the background, just watching. But it's, So here's the best coach, or one of the best coaches in the world, still looking out for other ways to learn from other sports, from yeah. other people, and even bringing someone that can help him there instead of saying, no, I, I'm, I'm this and that, I, I know it all. I can buy the best players in the world because right. I have the money. You know, he he's still in. So I said to people, if you have those guys there, sure, they're competitive, so they understand whatever is going to help in winning. But if they can continue learning, why can't we? Yeah, it's that... It's just a mindset thing. Yeah. Like that's so important to just understand that like Pep Guardiola is obviously just like he he has a love for learning. Like especially if you're going to take time off to just go watch other sports um and just try and learn from them, you have to have some just love for learning and the knowledge that you're always going to get better if you like believe that you don't know everything. And that's just hard to come by, I feel like, today. It is. It is. It is. I mean, it's, uh, it's, 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 so, it's so important. It's so important to have that open mindset of, I don't know everything. You know, because, again, but see, if we said that, right, we're doing this because we're good. Our ego's telling us how great we yeah. are. You know, so now you're able to accept that I don't know everything. You might be right, I'm wrong. Right. And that's, but you know, I, again, you have to, it's not about right or wrong for me. It's, it's like I was saying earlier, every kid is different. Mm-hmm. So what works for this one might not work for him. Personality, maturity levels, all of that. But how do you get the whole group to move forward? Yeah. You know, how do you know? So you have to be able to be prepared or as prepared as possible. You know, and it's, uh, it's kind of like, what we all did when we were learning a language, you know, we, I used to carry a dictionary, you know, so you didn't know a word or something, boom, you know, had to go back and then and look it up. Jeez. And I think we know we, we should do those things when it comes to, because yeah. no matter what we're learning, whatever, there's always going to be a situation where like, God, this is different. Yeah. I'm not getting through with this kid, no matter what I'm trying. And I think that's kind of like what Guardiola is doing, right? Okay, I bring in someone that's, an, this guy's amazing. He hasn't had the success as himself as a coach, but he's great. So I'm bringing him. You know, who knows? I mean, I wish I would be inside his locker room to really know I the know. real, you know, yeah. which type of players was he having trouble, what have you, that, you know, that, you know, and I think, but I, I give a lot of respect to, to someone like that, that um, I have a lot of respect for someone like that, that is able to say, I can't get through to this one, so maybe this person can help me get here, you know, and. Um, Did you watch that Amazon Prime documentary on? Yes. It's really good. It's, it's great. All I, of them. I mean, I have to give it to those guys, all of them. I mean, uh, you know, I love Marcelo Bielsa as well. So with Leeds United, so we watch, yeah. you know, but the, the, the Guardiola one, it's just, you know, and when you see the, the what is it, the guy who take care of, takes care of the kids, you know, the, oh, yeah, the little yeah. boy, he, I mean, he's, he's the game, he's the yeah, team. I mean, exactly. he's, you know, it's, uh, I was, I told someone, do you see how much TV time that guy had? 
And in this country, we look at a person like that. He's just in charge of the laundry or what have you. Yeah. But it's so much more than that. Yeah, and all the guys loved him. Oh, and we we learned that firsthand at, at UNM coaching. Our, I mean, our best allies, the best were the, the the ladies downstairs in the laundry room. They were wonderful. Yeah. They were. We actually spent a lot, lot. Our locker room was right there, so we spent a lot of time. I mean, talk about true people. Yeah, people that really. Like I say, you don't clean the laundry; you clean our souls. You yeah, know, you are, you you know. But I, again, so those I, I I love things like that where they allow you to get that little inside, yeah, inside story to so see. So cool watching it, that. It's, and for me, I was actually I tell a lot to the kids: watch games. That's all great, but when you start watching those little things, that's when you really see. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, for me, it was everything. I remember as a player, I used to love to watch how they dress, how they, yeah. you know, and then you try to do the same. And it's and it was interesting watching that because you saw the players, um, like even their mentalities. Like when you're on the field, you can see the players play, and like at the professional level, they're all so good that like it's hard to distinguish, really. But I remember I forgot what the guy's name was, but he's the left back, I think, and he got hurt, and then he wasn't showing up to his rehab, and they were like getting into it with him. And you're like, oh man, like even at the professional level, yeah. there's people that just, just aren't fully with it. And they like, were like talking about like letting him go or like, I don't remember exactly what they were talking about, but like, it was really in like frustrating to the administration and to the team and kind of felt like he was letting people down because he wasn't taking care of himself like he needed to be. And maybe from his perspective, he was just thinking about like, oh, it's just me that like I'm just trying to rehab myself. But when you're at that level, you're like there with the whole team and they, they want you to come back so that you can play with them. And, and you know, and getting injured can be a lonely world, mm-hmm. you know, and, you, and but again, you have to be able to, you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the whole person. You yeah. Know, many of those guys have more skill than, than others. And therefore that's why they are there. But with setbacks or such, you know, they, 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 they have a tough time. I, yeah, one of the biggest things that always we always baffle is I have a professional player gets fined for being late for practice. How can you be late for practice? Yeah. That's what you do. Right. That's your job. That's, you know, you, you guys, any of us tell us we're going to play for Tottenham or whatever, I drop everything else and you go and be there do an it. hour early. Yeah. Every you day. Know, so you just, you know, and then you see why certain players, the Dennis Berkans before, Ronaldo's, those guys continue. Mm-hmm. because they're always there early when they are done they have their masseuse they have their you know it's just yeah they're there uh, early and they're there late yeah, they're the first American ones football co- the players like the Lewis sitting down in his home theater watching game film over and on they're inviting the other players in the defensive group to go and watch film with him you know what and the guys are like I want to go and party I'm, I'm a big time I'm a celebrity I don't right. but it's you know those little things that allow people to stay longer do more yeah really get to the elite levels it's it's uh sometimes you've had kids that didn't have too many struggles to make it so they don't you know it's i was better faster stronger mm-hmm. than others got the skill easier than other people and they never had any type of setbacks and like i say and that's what i saw i'm really happy u.s soccer is no longer in charge of the academy in this country yeah because that's what i was seeing when u.s soccer was it was it was very, you know, it was that type of thing. Oh, these kids are better, so therefore. But how many of those really? Marcelo Bielsa said it great. Like, it is great to have a great academy, but the only measure of success for an academy is not how many players you send to the first team. Many, 
how many players stay and are successful yeah. at that top level. That's when you start seeing the value of an academy. And many times it's not going to be with your team because you only need this or that, but do they go other places? Do they go? That's the value that, you, that right. you're going to put in. And, and, and here it was just, we have the best players. We have this and that, you know, and then we get the case of Trinidad Trovego. It rained, there's water on the track to get to the field and the national team players don't want to cross because they're afraid of getting their shoes wet. And the next day they go and lose, they'll make it to the World Cup. You know, but it was really all, yeah, oh, there's a video, you know, they're, they started by joking around, but really players, you know, it's wet. It's not, what, what do we need to train? You know, and it's, it, you know, it had rain like crazy. So there was right. water, you know. I remember was, watching that game. Yeah, the, the game the next day, here's Pulisic, the youngest guy. He was the only one really barking there. and yeah. trying, you know, but a lot of these other players, like by the time they started, it was like, it's too late. He was training that scores two amazing goals, yeah. you know, but, uh, but it's that same Entitlement, you know, I have the best. I'm the best. See, I'm playing for this group because I am the best. And, and they keep telling you that instead of keep challenging. Right. And now that they're away from that, I've seen a big change. Again, just the time we spend with the Austin FC group, no matter how good you are, it is a constant challenge. That's Mental, good. physical, everything, you know, and it's really, it's nice to see. Yeah, you know? that, is, that is refreshing, I feel. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of talent here. Yeah, I mean, we we do. Well, yeah, no, I I mean, I think that uh, New Mexico is kind of untapped for their soccer potential. Um, there's so many kids. I, rem I mean, I remember my age, we had tons of kids that were like really, really good. And then I remember watching like there's still like only a few kids, especially from my age group that like really stayed with soccer um, when there should have been way more. And it was just... Like you said, that like we talked about the culture of soccer in New Mexico is just not there. Um, once you get to that college level, like it's a struggle. Like you have to get through that first year and understand that yeah. like things are different. Um, and most kids weren't willing to do that. There were a few that were like, like for me, it was just like I, I've committed to something and I'm going to see it through. And that's why it was hard for me to leave for one, because I committed to the team. Um, and I felt like I was kind of like letting them down mm -hmm. leaving. Yeah. Um, but m most people don't get to that point, I feel like. No, like I said, I think it's been so much about winning state, winning this or that, instead of the truly development or giving them that passion and love for the game. Uh, the moment things are not happening, let's find another player. Uh, it's the one area I'm very excited with in New Mexico United, starting with their, you know, their academy. Number one, I trust the coaches. Those guys, I mean, their quality, their the quality, they care. Same thing. They want to develop these kids for their right. first team. They know their limitations financially and such. So great if they can develop these kids and get, a, you know, whether it's by selling them somewhere else right. or, or getting them to, to, to be, you know, to play for them. But they're seeing, it, it is like they're bringing an outsider's perspective, point of view, which they are, and using it to, to, to help the, the talent that we have here. Mm -hmm. Are there more players that could make that team? Absolutely. You know, for whatever reason, they're going to pick who, who they're going to pick and, and, and go from there. But but that was because we had that conversation. You know, in our case, you know, Paolo was fortunate enough to find an amazing group in Arizona. And that's exactly what you're saying. He went out there and he found a group of kids who gave your, their all. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, and the coach, because of who he is, was able to keep him together since they were young. We were laughing the other day. He has an outside back, an amazing player. He goes, yep, 
four or five years ago, all the parents used to beg me to take him off. Please don't play him in state cup. You know, now this kid is just, you know, every academy is one of, you know, but it's, they stay together. They even right now through the, cause they're connected with Phoenix, with the RSL, where they're, that's where their MLX Academy is for their group. And some of them are going with them, but they still come back to be with his group because it's something. So, you know, he found a group of competitors, a group of, I mean, Paolo's first game, he got barked so hard because he didn't go hard for a play. I don't think he's ever heard his name yell in so many different ways, but he's like, okay. Because it wasn't about him having to be the best. They just wanted him to go all out. Right, work. You know, work, go all out. Don't be afraid. You know, don't let yourself be. And he started doing that. They opened the arms to him, you know. But so when the opportunity came for him here, the biggest thing that we said to the coaches, it is because of you guys. If it was somebody, anybody else, it will not be the case. But it's it's because of you guys who, that you're, you're, you're the ones in charge of this, you know. So we're excited for the future of our players in this state as New Mexico United continues to do this because, you know, it's completely different the mentality that we've had from all the groups here. Right. You know, and it's, and that's what I said for me, if I, if I'm lucky enough to be able to work with these kids and send a kid here, send a kid there, that's, that's my dream. That's really, that's, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Like for the academies, like if you can send a player, if you can work a player, to the point where they're getting to go to an academy and then they stick around, then like you've done your job. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I, you know, you see it right now, like LAFC, one of the newest groups, that's where they've been very successful, able to send kids into their first team and, and succeed. Right. You know, loan them to the USL division and doing well. And then bring, I mean, so that's where you start, because that wasn't happening through, through the years, you know, with all the other MLS groups. You know, so now we're seeing these guys really invest in the future and doing it right, not through US soccer, you right. know, but uh, through, you know, through what they're doing, and it's like I said, I, I'm excited. I mean, it's a, uh, I think the the younger, younger, younger kids are really going to see the benefit of of what's happening, right? With the with the soccer, the mentality. Uh, like I say, you're bringing all these people from outside. A lot of them staying here. These players are staying here. So you're going to have coaches with a different flavor, a different flair to 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 give that want that want to give back. Yeah, you know. So it's. It's, uh, I, see, I see a positive future. Um, you know, I always said it. You're right. I mean, if we were to put one team in New Mexico, we could be very successful. Yeah. The problem is the egos, everybody, you know, let's have a few in this group, you know, and I get it. That's, it's a business and that's a, but if we could put egos aside and just say, you know what? And that's what I'm hoping with the, you know, the New Mexico United, like they're coaching it. They have a group and yeah. their goal is to develop younger, younger teams. Right. And, and, and go from there. Number one, two, for the younger kids here, there's a goal. Yeah. A goal that can be done. They don't have to go somewhere else. Right. They don't have to leave the state. They can actually try to make that team. You know, if there's other opportunities, great for them. But I mean, so. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about like how you ended up getting to the U.S. Because <laughs> uh, obviously you had... Great success in Guatemala. Like you were on the national team, you signed with the pro team, right? I was lucky enough to sign when I was 16. So it was my, what would be considered here before my junior year in high school. Uh, Guatemala was going through civil war, you know, late 70s, early 80s, a lot of issues. You know, Guatemala was, was a neutral country. So we had uh, Honduras at our American base, Cuba's not so far away. So it was at that time where both 
Russian government, American government were supporting the government and the guerrillas to keep fighting. So bottom line, so they could say, hey, we need somebody. Right. We want to be part of you. So you kind of like, you know, be our big brother, protect us type of thing. So there's a lot of civil unrest. There's a lot of, see, so, um, so my parents pretty much were forced to leave the country. They came two years before me. My parents left with my sister. How I convinced them to let me stay, I still don't know. Because I stayed, my, I, I stayed with my grandparents. I lived with my grandparents right. for, for my last two years of high school uh, while my parents were already here in the U.S. And it wasn't until my sec, my, you know, after I graduated, I still stayed there for that one, you know, one more, few, you know, few, uh, no, I stayed there for a good, for another year. And I came here to visit them during Christmas time. But we, you know, I had been at a, uh, we were at a friend's house. Almost everybody there had bodyguards. That's just how their the, the life is in, you know, countries like ours. And we're sitting there, it was a, it was a female's friends. We're sitting there visiting them. You know, it was the mom. It was two, two, two sisters, the mom and the lady that work at the house. Those, you know, so we're there. And the cousin left. And within a few minutes, people coming, banging through the door with guns, threw my friend and I to the floor, you know, and I had, left my keys, the car keys on the table. They took him. So nothing happened. They just, they were simple robbers. They were just coming in to rob the house, which uh -huh. again, the problem was what I was saying earlier with the civil unrest, everybody was armed. So you could hire a policeman, a military after work because they had no pension. So they, right. you know, for $50, you could get anyone kidnapped, kill or what have you. Oh, so everybody had guns and, you know, so, so we were there. So we we're on the floor. Luckily, nothing happened to us, but I got up when everything is gone. They tell don't leave the house. 30 minutes, we're leaving somebody outside. We'll shoot you guys. So we stayed inside. So I called my grandpa. They stole my car. I didn't tell them about anything else. They stole my car. You know, I go outside, but car was there. They just took the kids. The car was still there. You know, so one of those things that you say, okay, if I wouldn't have called them, I, I would have been okay. Long story short, you know, he contacted my parents and said, look, this is too much. He can't. You know this. The, he, you know we're we're older. We're you know we're we're not able to be all the time with him, and then anything can happen in this country right now. Yeah. So when I came to visit my parents for Christmas, um, I wasn't given a choice. My parents sat me down. You're not going back. You know. And you was, you went there with the intention. I went of there going just to you know. Home. This was my second Christmas. I was coming to visit them. You know, and I never forget when I first went to visit because, like I said, it was my dad who left first. So my mom was actually still there with my with my two younger sisters through my high school graduation, but then they left to be with him. But when I went to visit them in that Christmas, it was in Florida. Here was my dad who was a small business, but he was doing well in Guatemala. When I went to Florida, you know, he had a little one bedroom apartment. Uh, he didn't even have a full bed, mattresses. You know, he had two jobs, just trying to provide for our families because he had to leave everything behind. Right. You know, so, but again, I'm a young kid playing professional soccer. I didn't think about anything. I was, if anything, selfish at the time and just came back to Guatemala and kept playing and kept doing my thing, you know, having fun and joined. And it was, as a matter of fact, I was very upset with them I'm when they sure. forced me to stay. And that's, I really would say that's really where the love for coaching came to me because the first six months I was in California, I hated it. You know, it was just... Uh, you know, the, the MLS was not around. I was, I was not a citizen or a resident yet, so I couldn't even try out for any team. You know, so they, they found me some semi-professional teams. I was fine. But it wasn't until a friend of my uncle who worked at the court translating. He was a Peruvian engineer. And uh, for, for fun, he went to translate. He coached a high school team. 
So he told my uncle, hey, tell your nephew. You know, he told, he told him about me. He's like, tell him, I'd love to have him. Come over and chat. So I started coaching high school with him. And it was high school girls. We were actually a very, very successful team. And, you know, from there, I just kept coaching. He coached club teams. So I helped him out. And then I just kept progressing, you know, through, through that. But it was the coaching is really what gave me some peace about understanding this is I got to understand why I had to stay here. Right. You know, so, but for me, here I am, the future is bright. I just finished playing with the U23 national team. I was en route to, you know, to be with the full team yeah. and all of that. So as I, that's what I was saying to you, you know, you having to put your own thoughts aside to understand what's best for your family and everything. That's, you know, kudos to you because that takes a lot of maturity because I certainly did not have that back then. Yes, I was oh, younger, yeah. it's true. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, I and did not have that. There's that especially when you're like that 19, 18, 19 age, you don't understand as much unless you've gone, unless you've gone through something like how vulnerable you are as a person, like being in Guatemala at that age, you might be like, I'm kind of like, you've gone through some stuff, but you're like, I'm young. I'm, I'm fine. I'll bounce back. I'm kind of invincible. Exactly. It's the way it is. I mean, I, I, you know, when we learned to drive, my dad said, okay, you don't just go and park and open the garage door. You drive around the block a couple of times, make sure nobody's in the corner trying to come and take your car. I mean, that's the way we Jesus. grew up. So all of those things, you know, like I said, you're on the ground with a guy with a gun to your head. I don't care. I practice tomorrow. I have a game, to, you know, right. as long as I make it out of that, you know, you're, you're, you're okay. You don't think. And it took, like I said, it took me some time. And when I was, because on top of that, the, the, the guy helped me say, okay, you're going to help me with the varsity, but I'm giving you the JV. I've never coached before. I never coached women before. Yeah. How do you get women to, you know? <laughs> I never forget that. I was accused of being racist too at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and the AD said, forget about it. Don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, um, it's, it was a different world, but he, he, I, I was forced to have some sort of responsibility, you know, and, uh, and that helped me. That really did help me because also yeah. helped me to understand the sacrifices my parents were going. My sister, I mean, my, my sister, like my sister came with, with, you know, with them. So my sister had to put everything on hold. And then on top of that, you know, she, she helped take care of my four-year-old sister at the time. So my, my, the sister that's 11 months younger than me, as soon as her school was over, she had to go and pick up my little sister from daycare while I was in Guatemala playing professionally, right. you know, and then take her to high school because she was playing tennis and show up late to practice and beg the coach to still, you know, while she got a four-year-old sitting there. Right. I mean, she was a mother, you know, luckily, you know. But anyway, you know, I, I, I had to really under, started thinking about everything my parents were, were doing, changing everything. I mean, just, Yeah, you, know. you get to that point. It's, it's funny when you get to that like college, post-college area, when you're like, I have to like really start taking responsibility for things. Like it's kind of my turn to like, like even when you're in college, you're kind of like, I'm not really doing that much. You know, (laughs) I just have to make sure I'm going to school and getting my homework done. But after that, like as soon as that ends, you're like, what, what do I do? (laughs) And you have to, I'm in a situation where I'm trying to, help out the family as well. And not everybody has that. So it takes a little bit longer for them to assume those responsibilities. No, I mean, I mean, I know you don't see it right away right now, but I mean, this is definitely going to help you in the long, I mean, you know, it's, you're, you you know, you're going to be able to see things in a different way. I mean, just, you're already doing it, you know, but it's, uh, Sometimes we're like, well, why? It's not fair. It's not, you know, life is not fair. No, 
life is life is i mean you know better than i do actually you know and it's just you know i believe there's a plan to for everything yeah you know but uh you know you just have to grind it and and, and do it and and I know you probably experience seeing the joy of your siblings, you know, just by things that you're doing. I know your mother sees it all the time, yeah. you know. But I mean, it's just, uh, you know, then we get COVID and then we get all of this, you know. But there's, there, I always said there, there is a reason. There's a, there's a bigger plan out there for for everything. I mean, I, we sort of laugh. I mean, not that is the fact that we're able to provide some joy through all of this of so the kids by, by by soccer, yeah, by letting them, giving them a place to be. People keep telling me thank you, thank you. and I'm thinking thank you, because I'll be I'll be just as bad if I could just you know, right. those months that I was just there doing the Zoom sessions at home with the kids. I mean it was and we're lucky we have the mountain as a backyard and we've been taking advantage of that. But it's still you know you 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 get that sense of loss. You know? So being with those kids every day, it, it is it is it is unbelievable. Yeah, there's so much human connection in just being able to like coach in person and like you've. It's, I mean, I can't even imagine trying to help a player through a Zoom call. Like, you can't see them, you can't feel them. It's just a totally different, it's not coaching. It's not coaching. Yeah. It is, it is not coaching. And like you said, exactly what you said a while back, some are going to go to the highest level, some are going to go high school, college. There's all different levels, but that's not even, that's not what's important. Mm -hmm. It's the human being, it's that person. You know, and if you don't have those that personal connection, it's it's you know that's really where what you know this if any this you know, like I said I could spend hours and hours taking seminars doing different webinars or whatever to to be a better coach to understand, but it's really trying to spend time becoming a better person so that you can yeah. be a better coach helper friend whatever to all those kids. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed is um, there are some kids on Brendan's team. I'm helping uh, coach Brendan's team now. And there are some kids on that team that have went through things that I went through with coaches who belittle them and aren't really good coaches. But um, you can tell that, that like you're not going to get everything out of a player if you're if you don't connect with them. Exactly. Like if you're just demanding and t tearing down, that player is never going to like give their all for you. Like when you need them to step up and you tell them that they're not going to understand because you like, there's no connection. You're just like a, like a drill sergeant mm -hmm. or someone that like, I mean, I would say that they're, they're probably even more connected than what yeah. we like, no, what some of those players have gone through. And um, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking more about like how I can connect with them and how I can find a way to have them trust me to like give them information and what, and have them understand that when I'm um, yelling at them to do something, it's not because I'm like attacking them. Mm -hmm. It's because I want the, like, I, I'm trying to teach them how to see uh, in a different way or how to move in a different way. Um, it's not, anything about them as a person which is what bad coaches do they try and they like make it about you as a person and that's just like the wrong way of going about it like you're never gonna get everything out of a player no it's 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 it's, it's so true i mean you know again you know going back to todd bean i mean it's just 
we have to become experts in child development. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, it's hard to think about, you know, that's not our field, but it, it is. I mean, are we going to be experts? No. What he means by being experts is spend time becoming better at that, mm-hmm. you know, so that you can understand and understand too that if you don't have the answer, try to guide them to their, into, the, into the right place with the right people, and, you know. But like you say, for you, you we're saying it's, it's so simple and it's, so, it's just understanding this is not going to work with them. I got to try something different. And the first thing I got to try is to connect with them. I mean, I mean, it's, uh, I got into the point now that those that are able to connect the best, then I know, okay, now I can push them harder. Yeah, Now exactly. I can go harder with them because we have, and they understand now that it's not personal. Yeah. You know, that there's a reason why, you know, they're, you know, coaches demanding this or, you know, but it's, you know, and then I'm like. At that point it gets to coaching. Yeah. You know, because I said to them, you're telling me this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you're telling me but you're not doing this and these things in order to, so that's where I'm confused. And then there you get them to start thinking and they're like, mm, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, so it's not about that. Cause really right now, even when I get upset with any player, when it has nothing to do with a good pass, a good play, it is just the mental effort, the, the willingness to try something different, something yeah. new, you know, and they're like, huh, so you're okay. If I'm the other day, the, somebody came over, you complimented that kid like crazy. He was going all out. Right. He kept doing the wrong thing over and over and over, but he was going all out. Yeah. And he's a person, a kid that struggles with confidence. Mm-hmm. By me actually, compl- yeah, great job, keep doing. All of a sudden, he started doing more and, and taking, I mean, this is a kid that can be super talented, you know, but he, I don't, can't do this. Oh, anything, you know, everything is very negative. And also by me, instead of fighting him or telling him, no, stop talking like that, be more positive, you know, it was just like, Great effort. I love it. Keep doing that, you know? And and it was very interesting to see them, see him continue. And also yeah. started having some success because of it. And it, it wasn't during that day. It took us three practices. But he before, he, he will disappear, you know, because, gee, I'm bad. Oh, I'm horrible. You know, and, and now, so I'm, yesterday, I'm, he was like, that was fun. Right. You know? That's all I said to him at the end. It was fun watching you. Yeah. He looked at me like, you know, but I've, you know, as a kid, I've tried everything. Your language is too negative, you know, and it's like, you know, and uh, it's, and that's what I said, you know, you have to learn, you know, so I spending a lot of time learning from uh, this guy called Trevor Mowat, you know, who's just, long story short, he's the Russell Wilson's personal mental coach. I mean, oh, wow. he's unbelievable. He has a great book it's called It Takes What It Takes. And he's pretty much his biggest thing is, neutral neutrality you know the past is the past is real Mm -hmm. but it doesn't predict your future right you know changing you know everybody tells you oh think positive be positive what if i can't do that right now right i mean there's situations in life where you cannot understand what is there to be positive about right now yeah you know so it's he goes no it's about finding that neutral Mm -hmm. finding that neutral where you can you know calm down a little bit and then able to see yeah. your different routes that you can take. And you yeah. know, it's, it's that's that's huge in soccer yeah. because in soccer, if you get those really high highs, like there's often times a really low low that mm-hmm. comes right after it. Like so many times I've seen like a really good goal scored and everyone's like celebrating the goal, and then we start off, we start playing again, the other team's right there. They yeah. score again. Yeah. And then you're like, well. 
What? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, Bill Beswick, one of the top sports psychologists, he he had a, with the Nash with the English U twenty, I think it was. He he worked with those guys on that. Okay, guys, for the next X amount of minutes, five minutes or something like that, get him in that mind that when they scored, they had to certain keywords to stay in that moment to not give up a goal. Because he said it was they all the studies they done when you scored this amount of minutes, it's very easy that the other team can score because you're you know you're so in such a high that you. Forget the little, the yep. little things, you know. So he got him to start worrying about concentrating on the little things right. to prevent from doing that, right. you know. But you're right. I mean, there's so, so, and, and you know, and again, we go back to here's this guy that I was saying, Trevor. Trevor is one of the top guys. I mean, he's, I mean, he he really he's 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 done it all, and he says to everyone, sure, I work with Russell Wilson, but I'm telling you, I learn more from that guy that he can learn from me. You know, here's one of the best guys in the business saying that how much he's learning from from someone that he's working with, that gets paid for to, to right. work with. You know, and that's where when you see as coaches, when you think you, you know it all and you have all the answers, we don't have the answers. We you know, so, I mean, whatever those little guys are going to teach me in a couple hours, you know, going to put me through, it's going to be different than it was yesterday. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, for me, when I see a kid do something amazing and they're not doing it again, before I'd be like, and now I'm like, okay, how did he do that? Right. Did I have anything to do with that? And if I did, can I replicate that? You know, and even if you try to do that, I might not work on this next the next day. You know, so you have to find a complete. And I've learned too some of the best ways to do it is the freedom. Yeah, I think that especially with soccer, just being able to like go out and mess around and play, you like it drops the pressure yeah. um, of just like a high-end mat, like training session. Mm -hmm. Like if you're just going out to play, you feel confident on the ball. You're just messing around. You're not worried about mistakes. And really in training, that's where you want your players to not be worried about mistakes. You want them to be trying new things and pushing new things. It's just the youth level. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, the professionals do it, right? But at the youth level, it's so critical. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so critical. I mean, no, you see it right now at the professional level, the, the amount of X big time players that are coaching and they're not coaches. They're not great coaches. Really. See, Dan is not a great coach. He's not going to win a game because of his X's and the O's, but he's had success because of those relationships. Yeah. He loves the game, you know, so he's still out there passing the ball with them, playing with them as much as he, you know, little things, you know, he, it, it, so you see it at that highest level, having this, these greatest guys, their success through giving their experience back, Sharing what they learned in the locker room, sharing what they how they solve a problem when they were under pressure in a game, when they felt bad, when they had a bad family situation, but they still had to show up to work because, regardless, it's a game, but it's still their work, right. you know. And and so I think that's that's uh, I mean you see in the Premier League right now you see some of these coaches that have been there forever, and their teams are very up and down, and then you see these younger coaches who just finished playing coaching the teams, and there's such a complete different personality to the team mm -hmm. you know and i think it's the same thing for these young guys i mean when we think that we're just coaches and all we're going to do is give you the just like a teacher that just sits there and, and there's no no but when you open up the roads of discussion when you become available to them and become involved with them you know uh it's it's amazing how you see those kids trying things yeah you know? i even make a point i joke around with the kids oh i made that mistake on purpose when yeah. it wasn't that, the little kid was probably better than me by now, you know, <laughs> but I'm trying to let them know, hey, here, I'm trying really hard. Look, I'm sweating, playing with you guys. And I made a mistake. Yeah. But I made a mistake trying something fun. Mm -hmm. 
So they're like, oh, I'll try something fun. Then yeah. it's okay if I make a mistake, you know. And just teaching them that it's just, all right to mess yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, because I thought that's been the biggest thing with those, the younger group. They spend so much time arguing with each other. But you weren't doing it. And I go, guys, relax. But it's what they've heard. Yeah. Even though as young as they are, that's what they've heard from their coaches, maybe parents or whatever, you know. And they're, so they're, you know, judging other people instead of just playing. Right. Instead of just, you know. And then, and so, so that's really been the biggest thing, trying to get them to just do your thing and not judge, you know. Not just themselves, not just the others, just do, just be, you know. And it's, when they do that, it's amazing. Yeah. You know? But, but again, even though as young as they are, because what are they, seven, eight, maybe nine-year-olds, they already have that's some negative buildup there through some of those coaches that have been barking at them or coaching them play-by-play. Play. You know, it's, it's really, so it's, you know, you really have to start with the really young ones and just let them try things. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. I, I mean... I never had the confidence to like try new things in training and in soccer. It was always so hard for me because I was worried about making the mistake. And it's not until recently, like when I've started thinking about what I want to achieve outside of soccer that I've understood that like making mistakes is going to be part of it, no matter what, like if I'm trying to build businesses or something, inevitably there's going to be a situation where I make a mistake and that's, I have to take those as like learning points. And that's another reason why I started this podcast was because I want to learn from other people's area, like where they've made mistakes, where they've succeeded so that I don't have to necessarily make all of the mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> A little selfish. No, no, no. But that's okay. You're learning. You know, like I said, we all learn from each other. Here I am sitting here. I'm learning from you, you know, and it's, and I think that's, that's critical. I mean, and then you just got to take uh, what John Wooden used to say. Make a mistake, no problem. Make the same mistake again, no problem. You make the same mistake three times, we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, exactly. He other words, but, you know, we yeah. have a problem. Yeah. You know, he's like the nicest person ever to, to be on this planet probably, but he was in, you know. But, that you know, you, you have to. I think the biggest issue is that we have teachers, parents, coaches that tell us to make mistakes. But the moment we do, they're all over us. Yeah. You know, so you find that you're like, but they told me now, but they're parking me or they're benching me or, you know, so where, and that happens because, you know, again, you read it, it's in books. So every coach now say, oh, I make mistakes. But really, how many of those really, really stick to it and let you make right. the mistake? Let you, like the other thing I've learned and it's taken me years, instead of me giving them the answer, if I think I have the answer of what, I try to get them to understand the mistake they made. Right. You know, you know, and, and it's really, it's been a big, Doing that has been so much more successful than me giving them the answer, you yeah. know, because they're like, they have to think. And yeah. many times they still, and I've taken back from what wouldn't say, because I have to let them make the mistake multiple times because it took them multiple times to understand, understand what was it that was going on. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's something in soccer there, there's like the mistakes on the field where you're not paying attention to like where you're supposed to be or the technical skills. The only place, and I, I know most coaches say this, is like the, the one thing that you can control time in and time again is like your work rate. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the players that understand that are just going to grow much quicker. Yeah. Like the other kids will like can grow, but they're not 
they're not putting it all in. So they're not understanding it. They're, they're struggling to grow because they think that they can just put like a half measure in when the work rate is, I think the work rate is the most important thing in soccer. It, it, it is. It is. And like you said, that is, you control that. Mm-hmm. You control that. And uh, that you can have a bad game, but you can control your effort. You can still, you know, you can still give it. I mean, you know, we were talking about the, the goal that Newcastle gave up against Leeds the other day. And actually, Paolo and I just talked about it for about 15 minutes, stopping and going. But it was a simple play. The guy receives the ball in midfield, had options to play the ball back. He held it. Not a, not he loses that midfield, not, and then he starts jogging back. And as it turns out to be, the play that he could have, where he could have been, is the one shooting. And then he's still getting the box with there's some rebounds. And the guy takes a, it wasn't a hard shot, he's bending the shot. And this same player that had lost the ball, that jogged back, turned his back, and the ball guys goes right through him. I mean, that all of what he did right there, he could have controlled. Yeah. Had nothing, had nothing to do with somebody being faster, better. It was just so fine. He made the one mistake. But then two mistakes by jogging back. And then even because like turning the body, I mean, I said, I don't know. I'm lazy. not those guys. I'm like thinking, if I'm him, if I'm that coach, that guy doesn't play again. Yeah. You know, and Paul, he's a character, big time player. Well, obviously his character. Yeah. You know, because we talk about the, you know, we talk, you know, about the three C's, you know, cognition, how smart you are, right? Competence, can you, but then character. And those three, you know, it's like pretty much they say, you want to be successful at anything. You need those three, yeah. You know, because if you don't have, if you have two out of the three, you know, like you said, how many people do we know that have the tools to do it? They're that good. They're competent, right? But they're not very smart, yeah. Or they'll have no character, right? They're cut corners, you know. So you're building this table, even though you know how to do it, eh, you know, you don't, you know, you cut a corner there, whatever you. Right. Don't. So anyway, but it's it's so it's it's so important. It's so, you know, just. But, you know, you have to learn from your mistakes. You have to find a way to teach them how to learn from their mistakes. You have to guide. I mean, the little kids, they have no idea they made a mistake. You know, really, that's what I said to you. If you don't tell them he did that, he won't know. So let them be, you know. Yeah, that's something that I struggle with with Lachlan (laughs) is trying to just let him play. Like I'm, And I've gotten much better at it, just letting him play rather than trying to coach him 100% of the time. And then, like, when he comes off, giving him, like, one point to, like, work on for the next thing. But I, I mean, it's it's it was a family thing, just barking. Like we were always talkative and loud, and and that's a. I mean, it's a very sports thing, I'm sure, but soccer specifically, like people, coaches. I mean, play, Jesus, parents love to try and coach from the sideline. Oh, yeah, it's you know, and that's everyone. I mean, like I said, we 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 are you know, parents too, and we see that we're like you know, it's like. You know, even now, now with Paolo, now that I'm not his coach, you know, I'll be driving back from the game and I'll bite in my lip not to say until he mentions something, will I start, you know, then I will start going, I will even break down his games. And I write, I have notes and notes and notes unless he asks me something. Uh, but it was hard for me. It was hard for me not to. Right. Hey, you know, you're doing well, but if you were to do this and da 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 you know, so I had to just... You know, but I told him, hey, by the way, I do have a book here. If you ever want to, you know, <laughs> hey, we can talk about this. And yeah. That. But it is, it is difficult when you're competitive, when you are, especially if you see they have some tools, you think, you know, you think you're helping you, you know, but it's, uh, it, it would be, it won't be, a, it would not be a problem if, if coaches allowed these kids to go. Yeah. Because then you say, hey, my family, well, we're strong, we're, this is the way we are, whatever. But the problem is, you know, when the coaches are just, 
play by play and you know and then just you know you 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 have to say no Lachlan, Lachlan is teaching me a lot Lachlan is a because I see I see the tools that he has I see what he can do you know but in his like you're saying he's telling those stories and the times not that he doesn't care in this moment he's a coach mm-hmm. in this moment he's a friend in this moment he's a teammate in this moment he's a player you know so it's like but when it comes together it's just so much fun to see yeah and what I've tried to do is just kind of like you know enjoy those moments yeah and just kind of like kind of like you know the be i mean i even with that group i started playing three team games with them just so that instead of them barking at each other or saying you stay if you win if you get scored you have to come off so they have to start thinking okay why did we get scored right. and of course at the beginning is because you didn't do that or this so trying to get them no don't do it just think about what what think quickly because you're going to go back in right. you want to stay there so they're starting to Put their development, put their time into working together or, or doing it all yourself, whatever, yeah. you know, whichever way comes to their head at that moment. But, uh, but it's been interesting. Just again, a change of what we were doing to a simple game, a game that we love anyway, you know, but uh, is allowing them a little more freedom and for them to start solving problems. You know, because yeah. at, at the beginning, oh, I'm on the worst team, uh, this girl can't play or whatever. But little by little, it's like, okay, me saying that is not keeping me on the field any longer. Right. You know? Coaches not switching teams, you know, so so it's it's been interesting to see them finding ways, you know, and you're starting to see more parity on the groups, no matter who's with with whom, right? Because they're not that it's perfect, it's not, you know, but uh, they're enjoying playing, so they want to keep playing. Yeah, it's, that's great. That's the best. That's the best part is when they want to just keep playing. It's you know, like and we're lucky because even right now we got some of the older kids that come. They're they're supposed to be three forty-five to five. But they stay there until they have yeah, to go. They're there for a long so, time. So therefore, the little ones are training when they see Paolo and some of those other guys. And I'm not coaching them anymore because I'm with the little ones. Mm-hmm. So they're still having fun. They're still playing. They're still going hard. You know. So the kids are like, huh? You know. And then you see the other group coming in. You know, the Kaya group that comes in for later. Yeah. You know. So they, they, that environment is really, that's, yeah. that's everything. Yeah, having the different environments. Like there's the dirt field. And then there's the, the turf and then the tech ball table, like having all those different elements out there just like creates a space where you're just wanting to play. Like you're wanting to do something the whole time. It's, you know, the little ones saw you guys play. So it was so funny. I, and I don't know what day it was, but, uh, one of the little kids, you could see he was looking, he was in the car waiting. And as soon as all you guys left the tech ball table, got out of the car, goes out there, Lucy, come over. And the little ones start playing. And it was just like, you know, they, they knew their plays. They were not, the olders were going to be there yeah. until, uh, but I was like, and they've been using it every day there. They'd be yeah. staying there. Lachlan said he was trying to stay and play on the tech yeah. ball table last night. Like, I told him that's what is there. Yeah. You know, we'll set it up there all the time for you guys. You know, it's just, um, yeah, you know, if you guys get a, a tech ball league going, that'd be super fun. Well, we we want to, like I said, the owner of the place already wants to buy another one. I mean, yeah. but, but you know, like I said, for us, we just want to be able to provide those tournaments and then have the tech ball or tech ball tables set up just so that kids can play and have fun. Right. And same thing right now, practice or like you're saying, how do you get them to want to stay longer? What just by Number one, allowing them and then changing the environment, different things. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that take but table. And we're lucky, again, the people that we work with. Because, you know, what was a Saturday? Some of the parents dropped their kids off at our, and then they drove to our house to go and grab it. 
And I wasn't even there to help them. And then oh, really? they had to take it through the, oh, you know, put it over, call somebody. They had to call <laughs> another friend. And when I go, all of a sudden I see them coming back with the table. I'm like, great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You guys have really created like a, a great environment and a great community really more than anything is like, you guys have such a good community of people that want to help out. It's like such a grassroots like training area that like all the parents, all the family, like people are there all the time wanting to like help fix stuff up, fix things up or just like hang out and talk and play. Yeah, and it's, it's just such a great environment. And, uh, I was talking to kid about this on Tuesday or whenever we did ours, but like I, I had, I have an idea for something that I want to, um, create. And I think that you and Kit would be like the perfect people to like, like talk to about it and like implement into it. Um, but I forgot to talk to her about it after. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to talk about it yeah. soon. Um, because I think it's something that could be really big in New Mexico and other places if we wanted to, which would be fun. No, it's great. No, we'd love to help out in any way we can. You yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, no, you're right though. That, that's, that's really what has been the best, uh, the most fun. I enjoy being around with the group, mm -hmm. you know, the kids, but the parents, you know, just, they know I'm a little bit out there sometimes or what have you, but it's, you know, but it's a great group. Everybody's there to help each other out. I mean, like I said, through this COVID, we've been able to take the kayak group out, out of town and play, and we play some of the best groups. Some groups that have not stopped, so they're playing. We only take a third of the team. The results have not been pretty. Right. But you know what, though? It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. Just seeing the joy of their kids playing. They're, like you said, they're all there supporting. What else can we do? How can we help? And that's when it's, you know, that's when you see, okay, we're in the right path. Yeah. We just got to keep... You've gained the trust of the community. But that's, that's our goal, you know, that's yeah. what we keep working towards, you know, it's just, yeah. you know. It's great. Um, I got to get out of here to go pick up Lachlan. <laughs> no. So thank you guys for watching. Thank you, Jorge, for coming on. It's been a great podcast and we'll have to do another one. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.